Welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, speculation, and stories about Adam's P. We are here to talk about all sorts of stuff today. We've got, I want to just jump in and start talking about Shang-Chi like now, because here's my deal. For the last two years, we've kept a podcast going through the pandemic. Last year, there was next to nothing, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and nothing all year long. This year, we've had Disney Plus and Black Widow, but those have all been a little touch and go on how we feel. I feel like today is the first day that we are truly back. The MCU is back. People are adoring a movie. It's making pretty good money. And the three of us loved something. Am I overhyping this or am I right? Like, I yeah, feel like all this right. great. That was, it was really good. I it'll be interesting to see like box office move like going, you know, after tonight. Yeah. Cause I don't know how, how are your guys' theater? I was talking to one of the direct guys on this and ours was a third full. Maybe there was a substantial amount of empty seats on Thursday. Mm-hmm. It was IMAX too. So the theater was quite big, but wow. Yeah. But you would think all the Marvel nerds would show up for IMAX. Right. um yeah like the big fans um my theaters were full but not sold out because hmm. i actually i had tickets for a seven o'clock for me and my friend and my friend had an appointment at six and then she realized that her appointment was the person was it was like somebody to come work on her apartment was he was like i'll arrive between six and seven and so like the cable guy or whatever yeah (laughs) yeah so like you know we it it was like 6 30 and he still hadn't arrived so i ran to the theater and i actually found somebody there that was late for the showing a half hour before that bought my tickets off of me but there were still like a couple seats at the 7 30 but they were like those really bad ones right at the front and on the edge and there were two seats left for 9.30. So I was able to buy those two seats. And that's why my feelings on this movie aren't too clear. Because my brain shuts off around 10, <laughs> 11 if I'm lucky. So like the whole third act, I'm going to have to rewatch and really take in. But, um, but there were like, you know, so it was full. But there were those little random seats. So I was still able to see it. Yeah, I feel like our theater was like two-thirds to three-quarters full on IMAX. But I think when I bought tickets that they are putting buffer seats between parties right now because of COVID stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I'm suspicious they sold every ticket they could have given the policy of leaving a buffer seat between groups. Does that make sense? Yeah, my theater had buffer seats, but because i bought my ticket two hours earlier i could tell how many were bought yeah so So. anyways i mean we'll talk let's talk about it let's just say it's gonna be spoiler rific because we're terrible at not doing spoilers so my big takeaway that i've been trying to tell people without telling them on twitter is i went into this thinking it was a jackie chan movie but it's like chinese lord of the rings right like it to me was a very different movie than I expected. And I really liked the movie that it was in the end. It was a fantasy. It, 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 it had a lot of fantastical elements to it, which I also was, I don't know, like the whole movie, I was like, get me to the dragons. (laughs) So I knew there was fantasy coming, but, and I kind of, I don't know. I wish somehow I didn't know there were dragons coming. Um, I know that was like super important. I, I mean, and I'm just like, as we're, I think last week we were talking about the Spider-Man trailer. Like they only show you stuff from the first 30 minutes of the movie. Like, no, they showed us a lot from the final act of this movie. And I feel like it was a nice mix of regular and fantasy. Like I didn't spend the whole movie trying to figure out the creatures and all of that but the creatures were there and they had a point i agree i, I do wish they would i and that's the thing now that you say that i don't know what i wish it doesn't feel like we got necessarily the length of wakanda you know michelle mm-hmm. yo's character did explain that the stuff about the cities but are these 
city's part of a like a group you know are they part of like this the same dimension alternate dimension um i don't know i don't know just uh, to me it didn't feel like we got the exact world building as um like a black panther but at the same time it's you know distances and leaps and bounds ahead of virtually anything else like the iron man's or even thor's or hulk or captain america's or even captain marvel you know um killer action man killer fights i mean that's what you would want from you know the master of kung fu right um adam did you watch kim's convenience i started so like caleb i know you watched kim's convenience were you able i mean like did you feel like we were watching simu's character from kim's convenience is young so it's interesting because it did take a little adjustment off the front and maybe this is just a idiosyncratic way that i have read the comics i've always read shang chi as a little bit older more experienced person like when Shang-Chi comes into the Avengers, like in the Hickman run, I always felt like they're like, oh, we need somebody who's seen some stuff. Let's bring in Shang-Chi. And this Shang-Chi is not that. This is a very young, early on in his life Shang-Chi. And so that did disconnect a little bit at the front. But once I just sort of bought into the concept of like, you know, the story that they told, to me, it made sense to have overlap because they're they're similar characters i mean they're both young asian men living in united states canada who have parental expectations that they're kind of rebelling against to some degree so to me the fact that he was a bit like the kim's convenience character it just made sense you know i mean benedict cumberbatch got picked as dr strange because of the you know venn diagram overlap between sherlock holmes and dr strange i think so to me it was kind of like that yeah i mean i'm not saying it takes from it i just yeah i mean in my head it's going to take a long time for shang to not be or for sean to not be young the the guy from ken's convenience yeah adam i i love you're right like the action was so good like I think you got, you said you got into Twitter trouble. I said that it was the best action since Winter Soldier, just because I thought that would catch people's attention. And you were like, no, I think it's better than Winter Soldier. I, I don't disagree, I don't think. Um, it's what I really love them talking about is that their fights, they definitely picked a, a geography. Like there's the bus mm-hmm. fight and there's the side of the building fight. So that, and then even to a degree, like the Wind Kingdom kind of fight at the beginning. Like all of that stuff is very intentional and it makes it interesting. Like I'm not just trying to pick on the Netflix shows, but you know, we loved our hallway fights, Mm -hmm. but hallway fights are all kind of hallway fights. I mean, I guess there's a door and the first time they did it in in daredevil, it was awesome because of it being new. But by the fourth one, it was like, Oh, I've seen them fight in a hallway before, you know, that's that's why I loved the, uh, the, the first scene right outside of Talo with Wen Wu and uh, I forget her name. Um, Shang-Chi's mom. Um, we had that same problem after the movie we were talking. We're like, well, then Wen Wu and Shang-Chi and then Katie and then, and then his mom. Like, I don't know why I do not have um, all my head. <laughs> but no, you, you talk to these guys. Like when I talked to Chad Stahelski, the, the John Wick guy, or even Greg Rimenter, um, all the stunt guys say it, it should be, I mean, these aren't fights. These are choreographed fights, you know, and in that sense, they should be akin to like a dance or something. And I love that they took that literally for that first scene and turned that fight into essentially an ass kicking dance, you know? Um, I mean, that first fight, I mean, the first fight between his parents, right? Yeah. Right. Was that okay? Um, that was them courting. I mean, to me, that mm-hmm. was as much as, I mean, that was that was a dance dance that was the two of them courting. it was a sexy fight is what it was, it was yeah sexy. it was really yeah. sexy yeah i mean it was no daredevil and electra in the boxing ring but you know right. it was a completely different sexy fight um yeah. but it was yeah i mean that was that was a dance as much as yeah that was a really cool courtship yeah 
Well, I was watching a video recently about uh, somebody was rewatching the matrix and they were saying that part of what made the, the last act of the matrix so great was that there's clearly defined pieces to the fight scene. There's like the lobby with the granite pillars part. And then there's the helicopter part. And then there's the, tr- the subway station part. And because those parts are so clearly defined by geography, like they stick out in your mind. And I feel like that's the same here. Like that bus fight, all I'll be able, have to say in the future is, oh man, do you remember the bus fight? And people know exactly what movie I'm talking about. Nobody. You know, like. So. You guys haven't seen Nobody, have you? No, we haven't. So you say bus fight and it's it's going to go to Nobody for me. Oh, Bob Odenkirk. Okay. Bob Odenkirk. Man, there, Bob Odenkirk had no reason to kick that much ass on the bus. So it, I, I don't think Shang-Chi's bus fight necessarily is better than bob odenkirk's bus fight also it doesn't help that we saw virtually the entire bus fight in the first teaser mm-hmm. oh i thought they were pretty good about holding stuff back mm, like the bus was gonna tear in half yeah and the Did lady we? and yeah and the baby hanging out the window mm-hmm. uh see maybe i just i only watched the first and second trailer like, I didn't watch any of the TV uh, spots. Uh, the oh. dragons were in the TV spots, too. Yeah. I mean, also, they released the bus fight before right. the movie. Oh, like yeah. Like it. a preview scene or whatever, right? Yeah. Oh, I avoided that like the plague. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I felt like I had seen the bus fight, but the bus fight was still cool. I mean, it was still dope as hell. Yeah. You know, going from what we saw of it in that first trailer, where I was just like, hey, you know, like, you know, the bus fight became much better than, which is why I'm so mad on the first trailers. Like, I don't mind being mad about first trailers because they do turn them into something better by the end. Um, but the bus fight was still cool. Well, and I appreciated, I'm no martial arts expert. I'm sure someone else could correct me on this. It felt like we had different styles as well. Like a lot of the stuff with Shang felt more of like a Jackie Chan sort of environmental fight. Whereas that first fight with his parents was much more like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, wire work kind of thing. Right. They, they combine all sorts of, what do you call it? Um, not respective but uh actually i oh go on no i they just combine all sorts of i'm trying to figure the word like uh what's like the brazilian fight like um something like that something they combine everything for the fight it's just these martial arts nerds taking this move and this move and this move and this move and making it their own to fit the characters or whatever so it's all going to be uh mishmash of so the cool thing i mean we crap on alamo theater a lot here but i i pretty much see everything there because it's the closest thing to me the cool thing about alamo was i got there like a half hour early and they had a video like to prepare you they they do videos to prepare you for the movie you're about to see and they had a video that had like the kung fu fighting like the best of fighting in movies um you know like of the kung fu style and you know and it had like the scenes from crouching tiger and it had the scenes from um i don't know i haven't watched a ton of kung fu movies but you know it had a lot of that fighting and so it was very cool to watch that video that video is available on youtube like alamo has a youtube channel it was very cool and they also had like tony young doing fighting you know, showing him on some of his movies before this um it was very cool to watch that and then immediately go into Shang-Chi because it was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's like drawn from that type of fight. And, oh yeah, like that. It was, it was, it was a really cool lead in to it. Yeah, for me, action uh, like kung fu movies or martial arts movies like this are a bit like watching the X Games. Like you watch the X Games and the guy goes up and he does a skateboard trick. And all the announcers are like, oh, he just did a triple Ollie 5072 toe flap. And you're like, oh, okay, sure, whatever. And the the red carpet for Shang-Chi, I think it was the guy who, I think his death dealer behind the mask was like, yeah, in this movie we did this, which has never been done on film before. And we did uh-huh. this move that's never been done on film and this move. And I'm like, 
I mean, I knew it was cool. I, I couldn't tell you where those moves were, or which scenes they were in, but he was like pumped about the stuff that they yeah. made sure was in it. You know, how cool would it have been if they took that and combined some little Scott Pilgrim and spider verse into it and would like flash on the, uh, like do like a freeze frame and flash on like the move names or whatever, like the comic book panels do like double claw gold dragon. Or, or yeah. Like immortal like iron fist stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been dope. I don't know if it would have fit the like vibe. Overall of movie, the movie, yeah, the whole movie, awesome. yeah, the movie would have to shift its whole look and feel. But so one of the things that was really interesting to me is the fight scene between Wenwu and Shang Chi near the end, before they get to the big CGI gate. But when they're just like fighting on the other side of the lake, um, does that make sense? Like in the village with two buildings. Yeah, and and you 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 noted Adam the part was is this what you wanted that he was screaming at him? They shouldn't have put that was probably the best line of the movie. And I'm like, oh man, I knew that was coming. It was still dope. I loved that scene because they verbally were hurting each other more than they were right. phys- like. There was a couple lines in there, like where Wenwu like blames him for letting his mom die when he mm-hmm. was seven. I'm sitting there like. Oh my gosh. And then like I forget what, but Shang Chi like shoots back something at him about how pathetic he was as a father. So and I'm like, oh, these guys are having therapy in the middle of this fight uh-huh. scene. And I just thought it was really brilliant that they were combining a very verbal, emotional. Now I'm thinking because your tweet, Rhiannon, if that was if verbal or oral is the word I'm supposed to be using there. But they're using like <laughs> like very like a tweet like a, me up. a verbal attack at the same time they're doing a physical attack and to me it like really punched up the whole fight scene so to speak like it you felt it because you could tell in their words that they were pissed at each other just as much as in their fists you know sir yes sir that was incredible that was well, that was a really good scene this was this was right around the first time i think that's this might be the first movie i think i've ever actually noticed reshoots there was the two shots, I think it was right before this, when they were like lining up or whatever. And you could tell they were rushed or something because it was Katie and Shang-Chi in one and then Michelle Yeoh's character in the other. And it was the most obvious blatant lighting and green screen flub thing ever. Like the three of them were definitely not in the same room when they yeah, shot Yeah, they it. were definitely not in the same room. It was just these two quick shots. Kelsey's the one that pointed out she's like oh that's green screen I'm like oh man that is <laughs> um but no I'm not sure if that was I, I'm assuming it was like reshots or done afterwards just to add some because they were doing some exposition at the time I think with like the dragon scales or something yeah um, so we should talk about the mythology you just mentioned the dragon scales and all that stuff uh first of all we talked in our chat we have a return of the faceless exposition mannequins Mm-hmm. The uh, they repainted them. They're not the same ones from the 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 sand table in Black Panther, or the same one from the creepy cosmic mannequin people in Guardians Two, or the ones from the timetable thing in Loki. But still, they're faceless mannequins to give us exposition. And apparently, the city of Tao uh, Tao Lo, mm-hmm. which I keep wanting to call it Shao Lao, but we'll get to that in a minute. Like. Tao Lo is apparently a gateway to an interdimensional world where these people are from and it has like soul eating bat people and it has dragons and it's all kept behind there. And there's a whole other multiversal world for us to explore. Um, Did you guys enjoy that stuff? Like, does that excite you for the future or it feel like unnecessarily just pumping the stakes up? Like, what did you think about the deeper mythology they started to talk about? So I was kind of stressed out because I knew you guys, I knew Adam would be like all over it and like wanting to, and there was so much stuff there. I'm like, I'm probably missing so many things I'm supposed to be catching. So I'm just going to hand this over to Adam. <laughs> you guys are. Yeah. I mean, you already know. I mean, The moment they said mystical cities, I pulled the Leonardo DiCaprio if you know from once upon a time in hollywood pointed at the screen I'm like, oh, mystical cities um and then they said heart of the dragon and i'm like ooh, i'm not sure i like where this is heading because this is 
really iron fisty. I mean, they, they either set it up or, you know, um, we've talked about it before, you know, Kevin Feige's wanted to do iron fist. They've commissioned an iron fist script um, seven years ago, eight years ago now. Um, and Shang-Chi may be that one. I am surprised or I am thankful that the fights weren't like fights for the rings or, or something like that. It wasn't a tournament. It was just brawls and stuff. Um, which, but, which by the way, as the, as far as like leaks go, we had heard a leak that there was going to be like a big tournament in it. Right. That leak turned out to be, it was 30 seconds of right. an underground but, fighting ring. Like there was right. so little that, to it. That, that could have been, that. but that was still pre, um, pre-teaser or whatever right so i mean maybe it was an orchestrated leak or maybe i mean they saw it you know they it was there um but no yeah the mythology was super dope i mean the the animals are super dope and i would guess they're gonna dive more into this more into this as we go along i don't know where where shang chi is gonna pop up next Obviously, with the post credit scene, he's Marvel flat out called him a new Avenger this this week. Um, so I don't know. I'm assuming we're getting Shang-Chi 2. I'm assuming we'll probably end up getting a Disney Plus show spinning out of this, perhaps of um, Xiling. Yeah. Is that how you say his sister's name? Um, in the Ten Rings. Because it is peculiar. They only said the Ten Rings will return instead of said it's something else so i'm guessing or maybe they're in armor wars or i we're gonna have so many crime syndicates i mean we're getting at least yeah um i mean we're probably gonna get something you know within the next year with involving some criminal character that may or may not have hair and then we have the ten rings and then justin hammer may or may not come back you know yeah so um but the more two that we see out of black panther 2 it looks that Ironheart's origin is going to be in black panther 2 and so that to me frees up the Ironheart show to not be an origin show anymore mm-hmm. but be just an adventure of some kind so right. setting up like Ironheart versus the new 10 rings seems like a very younger you know a way to to youth uh not euthanize that's the wrong word but to make more <laughs> youthful the iron man you know? we're gonna make that a word euthanize with a y <laughs> <laughs> um i shang chi may be the last origin movie we get solo origin movie right it very well could be there's no need to i don't think there's a need to do this anymore because i mean what else, what other origin do we need from Ironheart other than we know she's um I mean won't we get the origin of something in Eternals? True. Yeah, and Miss Marvel as a show will probably well, be right, I, no, but that's what I'm saying. I mean most origins are gonna be shows from here yeah. on out because there's Moon Knight, there's She Hulk, there's um what other I, so. I think the exception, Adam, is if if they finally do pick um, some kind of um, Latino or Latina hero mm-hmm. that's kind of like the Latin community's answer to Black Panther or Shang-Chi, my guess is they would do a big movie event out of that as well. But, but they could. They could be doing that, and they're doing a Halloween special first, you know? That's, that's no, fine. it's, it's, that's it. Well, that's where that Werewolf by Night seems even more bizarre. Right. You know, like for them to be like, hey, we really care about black audiences. We're going to give you a movie, Black Panther. Hey, we really care about Asian and Asian American audiences. We're going to give you Shang-Chi. Oh, Latin American audiences. Uh, here's a werewolf show that's going to be a, a Halloween special like that. Well, that does feel kind of. They're not- getting Namor, which is right. being introduced True. in Black Panther. True. And they could go back and do an origin story. If- but he's also the villain, too. Well, yeah. But I agree. I think a Namor origin story is totally possible, Rhiannon, as a film. That movie's going to be nuts. (laughs) Ironheart and Namor and probably other stuff. Every set photo we've seen so far... It's just a car chase. (laughs) It it feels like 
uh, it's a different world so far, uh, you know, like, it's like, uh, like, you know, it's just like college girls hanging out. Yeah. Like I'm sure, sh- I know it's going to be a bigger, big spectacle movie. It's just so far all we've seen is like, um, is, is Shiri and, um, Ironheart like hanging out on campus, you know? Um, Ghost Rider, man, that's been in rumors forever. Put, give Robbie Reyes a movie and it's game over. I mean, it's game over. Uh, I would even say a PG thirteen Ghost Rider would make a crap ton of money. I'll say I'll say that much. Yeah, people love Ghost Rider, man. It's just people love Ghost Rider. Well, and it's interesting because we've been rewatching the old Agents of Shield Ghost Rider stuff recently, and it really is PG sixteen. I would mm-hmm. say, like they did a few things in that Ghost Rider run that were, I don't know in tv it's great because they have like tv 14 or whatever like they have that like in between rating i think they did some stuff that would have like walked the line between pg-13 and r with the mpaa giving up that pod structure was the downfall of agents of shield man that's still the best season i think giving kevin feige a promotion was the downfall of Mm -hmm. well true but i mean we could at least have three more good seasons so on Shang-Chi, you know, for me, Adam, the second that he had the forest that like was a maze that you can't get through to hide the city. And then you get through that a little bit. And there's a woman in green and yellow robes. I was like, there's, I mean, this may be a long play. It may take a couple movies, but we're getting Kunlun out of this thing. Like, there's just no way, like there are way too many things. One of two things is happening. They either stripped Kunlun and Iron Fist mythology of all of its good stuff, mm-hmm. and then they've left its carcass on the side of the road, or they're setting us up to fully do that mythology. I think it's a little more. I mean, it's. I guess it's it's high risk, high reward at this point. Like Iron I Fist mean, is I, either going to get right. nothing they want or everything they want. You know. I hope it's number two. And I mean, we've yeah. seen so many Shang Chi alone combine so many MCU tropes: bad father mirror villains not even mirror villains between win and shang chi but mirror villains between the dragons even you know um yeah, i don't know i hope it's setting up future stuff they didn't put a number on the cities did they nope um tao lo is only in like two comic books and they're both thor books um and it has nothing to do with shang chi really um, it is an interdimensional plane that has nothing to do with like the Iron Fist Heavenly City stuff. Um, but I mean, like we've said, I mean, Rhiannon's a big fan of this too, casting Jessica Henwick as Iron Fist, you know, and, and rebooting that character. Um, if they wanted and, to tell us that they're like that Michelle Yeoh is the current Iron Fist, right. and she's going to hand that on, that would be totally cool. I'd be up for that. I mean, we know in these cities they get the powers from the dragons. Um, so I can I could honestly see it would kind of almost be brilliant bringing Iron Fist in as like the antagonist for villain two because the Iron Fist only gets powers from killing their dragon, and maybe you know the Talo people are like, hey, we don't kill our dragons, you know, or, or something like that. Yeah. You know? um, there's stuff with the rings. Maybe instead of the seven slash eight cities, they're doing ten cities and. When Wu conquered them all somehow um, to get the rings, or maybe Fin Fang Foom's actually one of the dragons of the cities. Um, I don't know. And you can't tell me like when you look at Fraction's Immortal Iron Fist, and particularly those flashback issues they did where they showed like Iron Fist of the past, mm-hmm. that would fit so perfectly in what Daniel Destin Cretton has done here. That's his name, right? Destin Daniel. Destin Daniel. Ah, I've been trying to practice. But, um, you know, what he did with sort of Chinese mythology and Mm -hmm. mythological, I love that all the different creatures in their universe are actually like things that you can see in real Chinese artwork, you know, like to me, the, the kinds of settings of those historical Iron Fist stories that we got in Fractions Run would fit in the mythology of the Shang-Chi cinematic stuff perfectly, you know? 
I want a Disney Plus series just about like the Shishi, the, those giant lions, mm-hmm. and and, <laughs> and the, Morris, Morris, yeah, and Morris and Trevor Slattery. Holy shoot! <laughs> oh my goodness! It was a. I was. It's so funny because as soon as he showed up, I was like please don't be so obnoxious that it's going to ruin the whole discourse about this movie. Like I was just fearful. I was going to open up Twitter to blah, Trevor Slattery is so stupid. Blah, why is he in this movie? But I thought they, they used him pretty well. You know, like I, I, I found him charming more than, than upsetting. So confession, I had not watched the short that explained Trevor's character. So I came out of the movie going like that was a really good movie, but the whole thing with the random actor with the Ben Kingsley like that made no sense to me. Why was it even there? Do not remember him from Iron Man three? No. no. Oh no, that's amazing because it was like such a huge deal in Iron Man three because he was like the traditional Mandarin, and then yeah. they like flipped it on its head, you know? Yeah, I. I mean, I know I've watched Iron Man 3, but obviously not recently. And I didn't think I needed to watch it to prepare for this. I mean, I knew there was going to be Mandarin stuff, you know, that the, they were working that all out in this. I, I don't I forgot to prepare. And <laughs> it's I knew, the most forgettable Marvel movie. So. Yeah, I forgot to prepare and I forgot to. Well, I, I remember liking Iron Man 3, actually. But um, yeah, so anyways, like for people that were like me, I think they might still come out of that movie going that was very random that that didn't make sense to me yeah um i had a moment it never happened i had a moment in the theater i'm like fin fang foom is going to be behind this gate and somehow the death of trevor slattery is going to be the way that they release him and then they're going to let ben kingsley voice fin fang foom it didn't happen but I thought this would be brilliant to like turn it around so that he could use that like Mandarin voice again, but this time be the voice of Fin Fang Foom. I thought that would have been brilliant if they had chose to go that way. But now Adam, this uh, evil dragon mm-hmm. is actually a Dr. Strange character. Like I feel like even afterwards, all the, Hey, 35 things you missed in Shang-Chi. I don't feel like even those videos are catching that this is a Dr. Strange character, right? Yeah, maybe those people actually need to read some comics. You know, come on, Eric Voss. Like, what are you doing? Uh, no, yeah, he's a Doctor Strange character. Um, believe it or not, he's a Fear Lord. Uh, other Fear Lords include Despair from Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Um, and Nightmare. Um, so he's technically a demon. He is Mephisto adjacent, or they're they're um, Mephisto adjacent. Um. And the MC version apparently has nothing to do with the Doctor Strange version. The Doctor Strange version's more uh, Cthulhu-like, more humanized. And I don't want to say humanized, but more, you know, I would say, you know, legs and arms. Like a and, bipod. Right. Um, in one story, it is the Dweller in Darkness is a octopus-type, dragon-type thing and builds a robotic body. Um, so it's more relatable or something i don't know um but yeah that's dwell under darkness it's actually a a legit marvel character um that they just use the name of for shang chi and turn it into one of the mystical city dragons and so the dweller in darkness was raising all of these mystical cities and they teamed together to lock it away in talao talo Talo, is that right? Or just Taloans did that? Uh, so I got, the, I mean, I got the sense they needed the help of the dragon to like, because mm-hmm. they use dragon scales to like create the gate, you know. Right. And I get the sense that you don't harvest those; they're given to you. You could harvest maybe enough to make those spears, but not a whole giant cave wall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I, What I thought was really interesting, they had this like Technicolor mist effect when that like the bat things would like eat people's souls that effect is to me very similar 
to the thing that the abelisk does that like big monster from guardians 2 and they very specifically tell us in guardians 2 that that's an interdimensional beast that feeds on the batteries or whatever and so it makes me think that I don't know. I feel like that there could be some connections there, like another squiddy monster devouring thing that has similar like Technicolor mist VFX. I, I could be wrong. It just seems like it was not a mistake to visually sort of connect that monster from the beginning of Guardians 2 with these things, you know? Hmm. Maybe don't read too much into it. <laughs> I just know they recycle visual effects and more yeah. times than not, the visual effects are nothing to do with the actual storytelling. What a buzzkill, Adam. Oh, I'm just saying, I mean, go ahead and get your hopes. I don't want you, you know, I don't want your heart to get broken. I would rather break your heart than have someone else do it. You know? Thank you, Adam. That's I just want to look out friend. for you. I don't want you to, you know, have an achy breaky heart. Yeah, but sure. It could be an interdimensional beast. And the obelisk, obelisk, the dead beast from Guardians 2 could also be a fear lord that returns in Multiverse of Madness, which apparently Shang-Chi may or may not be in, according to Jonathan Schwartz this week. I mean, that was the other big surprise. I mean, getting more towards the mid-credits. This movie's way more connected to... I felt like this was like the odd stepchild of Phase 4, like... This was like their their ground level superhero. I was completely incorrect by that. This is totally in the multiversal mix that they're building, and that was that took me off guard. I think pretty pretty greatly. Um, the Ten Rings also took the shape of the timelines. He who remains explains. So did Kang make the Ten Rings? Oh, yeah, and, and what are they calling to? You know, right? What are they pinging? The Celestials. Oh, that could be it. Earlier I mean, that's week, what my friend that went to the movie with me when they when she stepped out, she was like, "So, like, the rings are totally calling the Celestials, right? Because we're going to see them in Eternals." And I was like, "Oh, oh. that's interesting." Because I get the sense from the trailer that it's the it was the snapping that got the uh... yeah. That's that's it's interesting though. That's a good theory. Earlier this week, I told you guys. I think if it was calling like Annihilus and the Annihilation Horde to come, it would be awesome. And the thing is, as soon as you go interdimensional, I don't know, to me, you crack the door open for Negative Zone or all these other like comic-y things, Cancerverse, all that kind of stuff. And now that, I don't know, interdimensional feels really weird now that we have the multiverse going on, you know? It just, I mean, interdimensional doesn't seem like that big of a deal anymore. You know, it's just like, oh, it's just another place inside, <laughs> you know, that apparently you can drive a razor fist Jeep through, you know. If you have a magical stuffed animal to tell you where to turn. Yeah, if you have moors, true. Yeah. They have plushies of moors out, don't they? I, I think they do. And if they don't, they will by Christmas. Right. As soon as that little thing came on screen, I was like, oh, they better better not do like baby Groot and not have these ready for people. Absolutely. And there were other Morrises? Other Morai? Yeah. Yeah. I I forget what the name of the creatures are. Oh, I had pulled up the name of all these creatures. Um, Morris is a Daijang. Okay. Daijang. The the nine-tailed fox and i'm probably ruining the pronunciation here but a hulijing hulijing and then the lion is a shishi and i loved the lions when the lions like came like they were uh, yeah like i loved the lions (laughs) um talking about that stuff i thought the vfx were really good in this movie like i've seen a tweet or two complaining about how VFX heavy the back half was. I thought they did an excellent job that I could always tell which dragon was, which I could tell where the characters were when Shang was sort of like throwing the rings and then like stepping on them and then pulling them back to his, like I felt all that stuff was pretty clear. I, I don't like the CGI, like transformers movies where it's just like a blur of pixels and you don't know what's going on. 
but I felt like this stuff was pretty well put together as far as keeping track of who's who and where who's doing what, you know? Blur of pixels. That's Optimus and Mayatron, you nerd. Was pixels put some respect on their names. <laughs> was the person that was complaining about the VFX in the last act hoping they would have brought in real dragons for the fight? Or the tweet I saw, I'll I will save them naming them on here but like they just said that yeah every marvel movie is just a blur of gray vfx at the last 20 minutes oh and i just didn't feel like this was a blur at all i felt like it was really clear there was something i don't know why something about how they shot the dragon stuff was really visceral to me like i was sitting in the imax theater going like oh like my mouth was literally gaping open at parts because i just thought it was really brilliantly done but Those are no, those are right. I mean, people are gonna, it's a Marvel movie, people are gonna hate it, people are gonna hate the visual effects. It's too CGI. I mean, they just gave an eight minute standing ovation to Dune, so I haven't heard it. Every single person I've talked to that's watched it didn't care for it whatsoever. Adam, as an Iron Fist fan, it makes you sad that you got such great dragons after. <laughs> instead of well, i mean i'm not sad whatsoever man that's all i've ever wanted i've wanted right. dragons i wanted this super cool mytho it's just super cool i love mythology and it's a super cool um stuff with like heavenly cities and things of that nature you know one of my biggest desires in hollywood is like just like a mythology cinematic universe just bring all the gods out and have like gods of different eras or what, what do you want to call them civilizations like fight each other and stuff like that that would be amazing i, I don't know for that everyone on screen i don't know for that far off in marvel like it's not a traditional comic property but the idea at some point that we would see like stuff from chinese mythology and thor and hercules and like osiris or raw from the moon knight show and like eternal like it doesn't it would not surprise me if we see characters from five or six different like international pantheons teaming up in some kind of you know marvel's pantheon or something i I just Uh, i could see that developing over the years you know well i mean they're all dying in thor 4 or most of them oh that's Um, true (laughs) i mean those ones are gonna die but i am that's that's one of the major parts that excites me for moon knight is um um what, just the mythology of it all Ra and Osiris hell yeah man at what point does the basis in comics even matter like at what point is Feige just going to be like all right we're a studio you know some of these characters started in comics long ago I mean does it even do you guys think we're far from getting like a lead character that has never appeared in the comics or do you think it'll always be well this person did have 10 pages in 1972 i think that there's so much advantage to using somebody who already exists Mm -hmm. right so you already have a built-in fan base so like if you wanted to make somebody who's kind of superman-ish there's no reason to create a new one because you already have a Sentry fan base or a Hyperion fan base that'll show up. So, like, there's no reason to do a new version. But, I mean, we talked about this, I don't know, a long time ago. Like, should Marvel create a Marvel Studios exclusive character? And they do it in smaller ways. I mean, Coulson is that, right? Coulson was a, a Marvel Studios creation that then got, you know, backloaded into the comics. But I don't see them doing it anytime soon because there's there's still so much IP they could use. Why not take advantage of your fan base you already have, particularly if you're willing to jack around with it? So, like, some people would argue some of James Gunn's Guardians characters are essentially new characters. But why not use that Guardians IP that people already love, you know? Mm -hmm. For sure, for sure. So there's one more thing I want to talk about Shang-Chi and we can wrap it for now. Um, I really liked Shang and Katie's relationship. 
like we've talked about forced romances before like the jane foster thor thing didn't really work for a lot of people i love that they gave a possibility that this could be a romantic thing but right now that they're friends and she's a travel companion and she's like our she's our like our entry into the story is like an outsider but in a way that was ambiguous like they could get romantic if they wanted to and she could just be his best friend forever if she wanted to and i I love that they didn't i feel like try to fit that too heavily into some kind of superhero trope you know yeah i i like that though like in the end why did wong want her i mean like okay and like i said i might have missed some stuff in the third act why is the sister not there with wong and for all of this like did the sister turn into a bad guy at some point in the story that i missed no so why are we assuming that she's a bad guy with the ten rings uh, i i don't know i think people are just assuming that i mean she's not i mean she explained earlier in the movie that she wanted to build her own empire and what she did with the fighting ring now yeah. her and john john have the resources of the ten rings so why wouldn't they keep doing that i mean okay so I saw just assuming she's bad. I don't know why. I mean, if Wong had gone and grabbed her and brought her into the little council with Carol and Bruce, like, I I don't know. It just seemed odd. That's the only part with Katie that I was like, why is Katie being treated like an Avenger now? Like, yeah, I think the two things to me that hint that she's gone bad. Well, three things, the way she sits on the throne is definitely kind of like it it gave me vibes of like luke cage whenever somebody took over uh the Mm -hmm. office at the top of the club you know um also shang specifically said that she was sent back to dismantle her father's empire but that is not dismantling she's building something she's Mm -hmm. not pulling it apart and then they also they were doing the whole like mercenary training stuff you know like she definitely is training them to be fighters of some kind. Yeah. So. So back to Katie. Now we have two archers named Katie in the MCU. <laughs> That's oh, funny. Look at that. Uh, is she an archer? I mean. I mean, she shot some dragon arrows. Okay. Okay. If she's not an archer, what is she? She is just a sidekick with not even any skills. She's yeah, just I comic of, relief. I felt like some of that story was that when you're in Tao Lo, it like sort of boosts you. Like, you know, you're like it just through osmosis, you get better at fighting, but maybe that's wrong. And then you lose it when you leave? Maybe, yeah. Because you're not you're not within proximity of the dragon. Well, no, that's definitely the mythology. Because the mom loses it when she leaves. She loses her ability to fight? Yeah, remember, like she tells him at the very beginning that she doesn't have her like wind swirly powers because she um, left Tao Lo, and then um, later on when the Iron Gang shows up, he looks at her and says, "Mom, you can't fight them. You don't have your powers here." But yeah, but Katie's an outsider. Does so Tao Lo just boost everyone? Or maybe Katie is not an outsider, and we'll find out in Shang Chi Four that she had great grandparents that lived in in, in Taolo. Okay, that's I like that. I thought you were going to say as we find out in Shang Chi Two that she's Iron Fist. (laughs) She's the Iron Fist. We find out that her name is Katie Rand. Katie Rand is her name. (laughs) That wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I really. I mean, as far as somebody. If you wanted to have an Asian actor or actress as as Danny Rand, I I think she could do it. Yeah, I think Aquafina would be a good. You know, it would have the right energy. And she's, if you were going to try to spin it as like kind of clueless American with like an Asian heritage that then goes back home and learns to re take on like the cultural values that they lost when they moved to the new world her character's kind of set up to do that 
she has all that she's got all the controversy with her though i don't i'm not about that yeah i don't love aquafina i i I would much rather it be somebody else but on that note this movie to me felt asian like Mm -hmm. i felt like i was watching an asian movie that had been you know given some english dialogue i felt like they very much did make this a completely glorification of everything a asian movie could be um i think they did a really good job with that as much as i get to you know i mean like as much as we know right yeah yeah like as as much as i get to say that like i i I, you know i'm very curious you know what the members of the asian community think of it when they when they provide their um assessment so Uh, far all the reviews i've seen online from sources that have like asian reviewers seems to be pretty positive along those lines so I, i mean i just think it's brilliant there is something, you know, Marvel has been smart about this. We saw it with Black Panther and we saw it again now. You know, the making the entire creative team essentially have to, you know, have cultural connection with what you're trying to do. It's smart. Because historically what Hollywood do, like if Shang-Chi had been made in 1995, it would have been a bunch of white guys directing and producing and and you know, they, they would have got one Asian actor to be Shang, and then the rest of it would have been Batman with that one Asian actor. And I just think that it is good that Marvel seems to be wanting to be more thoroughgoing, that they want a set that is filled with people for whom their history and their background connects with the kind of story they're trying to tell. So I, I just think that's smart. Uh, we talked about that for a long time. Uh, we're going to skip the news. There wasn't too much. The Russo brothers apparently are fighting about money. Adam had an amazing quote this week. Oh, that is, I'm sorry. We do need to talk. We about do that. have to talk about Adam's Adam, like, hot scoop. The forearms discussion was brilliant. I was so proud that it was such a big internet moment, given that we discussed it on this show last week. Thank you. Thank you. By the way, you guys both need to speak with my agent about like MD royalties and stuff. <laughs> um no yeah meaning royalties yeah. we make yeah there's not yeah, a whole like, did we... there. <laughs> like i'm fairly it's... certain the second you said you were interviewing charlie i was like you should compare the forearms <laughs> that's true so, that's uh, what was, rhiannon's agents wanting to call virtually you. there was virtually nothing else to ask there was a guy later in the day that asked questions and you could tell charlie wasn't super comfortable with it i'm not about to make the dude feel feel uncomfortable um yeah it was a great ask the same exact question and they published their piece yesterday so whatever newsweek you're no well what what i take from yours is he there was no hesitation because you've put out the video there was no hesitation no nothing no that is not me. But when other people asked him questions about like, are you in Spider-Man and all of that? He did not go, no. Yeah. And I mean, he, he's, Adam has twice gotten Charlie Cox very clearly to say no. That's not me. I'm not in it. Yeah, I mean, 18 months ago, he said, I'm not in it. But to some of these other questions, he's not saying no. Yeah. Um, though there is a hilarious, a longer interview from an Irish um, news site that was done the day the Spider-Man trailer came out. So it was before all of these. And he very clearly talks about like when that news broke that he was in Spider-Man, like there were people there on the set of Ken that were like, <gasps> you're in it and he's like dude i've been with you guys for the past four months we're in a bubble i can't fly to the u.s when do you think i filmed spider-man and like so that's not a no you know like it's it's a very funny interview for people that are like wanting to track every little detail about charlie cox being in spider-man yeah which returns me to my point that i made so many times that spider-man was filming in atlanta 
Doctor Strange 2 was filming in London. But, you know, whatever. Uh. <laughs> and Ken finished filming in February and Spider-Man kept filming until March or through March. It, so. it makes me think of, have you seen these things about how word emphasis is so important, like in a sentence? So like the sentence, those are not my forearms. You know, if you say those are not my forearms, it's like, oh, but there are your forearms somewhere else in the movie. Whereas if you're like, those are not my forearms, it focuses at someone else. And then you say, those are not my forearms. You're like, are they his calves? What? You know, like each word matters very much. Isn't this a Seinfeld episode or something? There's a specific Seinfeld bit on this. Uh, Charlie Cox is in Spider-Man No Way Home. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it, folks. He's, yep, he's in there. the movie. I have I have thoroughly analyzed all of the interviews. He's in it. We just don't know when he filmed being in it. I, I had to bookmark t- this week. Somebody, I was making a comment about it. Some guy's like, well, you can wish all you want, but your wishes and dreams don't make things true. And I was like, dude, in December, I am so blind, this guy on Twitter, man. I am bookmarking this for revenge. I, I feel really bad for EJ Scott come December, Oof. what is it, 17th? That situation is messy. Yeah. I love it, but it's messy. If, if listeners don't know who EJ Scott is, it's the husband of the actress who plays um, Karen Page. And he has been very loud and clear that there's no way that the Daredevil characters are in, no way home. And the sense you get is because if they were, Karen would have got a call and she hasn't. And that will be awkward when Charlie does show up in Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, I mean, I can take from what he's saying that Deborah M. Wall as Karen Page is definitely not in anything they've filmed at this point. Yeah. Unless he's backtracking and doing this as a charade. Yeah. I, Kevin it, Feige like it, sent him out as like a red herring. It, it does yeah. seem too obsessive that it's not. Yeah. Because there's been several tweets and they've been equally as I hate saying the word cringy, but it's just like, ugh, I've had physical reactions to every <laughs> single thing he's tweeted. It's unfortunate, but yeah. So, all right. This podcast is two we hours try long. Getting him on episode 200. Yeah. <laughs> no. So this episode will be two hours long unless it move us. So let's talk about what if a little bit. I feel oh. like, Oh, we're still talking about stuff. I thought we were, Okay, let's talk I mean, it's it. up to you. We haven't talked about what if at all. Let's I may not have watched this week's what if yet. I think I watched the first half. The Doctor then, Strange one. Yeah, it's amazing. I watched because I was supposed to. I was in the airport Wednesday, and um, yeah. New York City had a hurricane. You all might have heard. <laughs> yeah, and I was at the airport during the hurricane, and like stuff came up with canceling my flight, and like when I was halfway through watching what if, so I forgot to go back and watch the rest. Okay. Do you want to talk with us or you want to bounce? How? Yeah, I can bounce and you guys can talk or we can wait and talk about it next week. Okay. Adam, let's you and me talk about without spoiling. Uh, It was, Um, it was shockingly sad. I mean, I saw, I saw the first half. So I saw that Christine died and died and died and died and died and died. Okay. Well, let's talk about this part. Maybe the most annoying part. So if you use the time stone to go back in time, it works differently than the time travel rules. Is that what we're understanding? You can't time travel to the past to change things unless you have the time stone and then you can. Is that my understanding? I got it as no matter what you're using to travel through time, there are some things that you cannot change. Mm -hmm. Except for this one is different in the sacred timeline. Yeah. It's not in the sacred timeline though. Well, I, I know, but that suggests that this idea of a point that can't be changed is only true within a particular multiversal strand, not all of existence. This is why the whole timeline thing, they're writing themselves into the corner with the damn <laughs> timeline multiversal stuff. I mean, it's there's nobody keeping track of this stuff. They're writing the stories they want to write, and there's no this is an Elseworlds type thing where the Infinity Stones may work different than maybe the green one's not even the time stone. Maybe it's the time traveling 
super stone or something. I don't know. You know what the hell? Did they even call it the time stone? I'm not sure. I, I definitely think that the mechanics of the time travel here, these are the hardest things to fit. Like I felt like throughout all this stuff, you know, I've been the guy that's like, no, it makes sense. And like, I had my very clearly built out worldview. And then that idea of these like unchangeable points, I'm like, Oh, that only works if it's only unchangeable within a certain branch of the timeline, but other branches that is changeable because in the sacred timeline, it's different. Like I have to admit that this episode is pushing my understanding of timelines and universes towards cracking. I mean, and at what point are you supposed to just stop and assume that it's unchangeable? Because how many times did he go back with Darmamu? How many times did he go through time and like, I mean, what, 13 million with Thanos? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like at what point is, you know, at what point is it, you know, an unchangeable conclusion, you know, and why does the ancient one get to declare that? And why, but, and then her death changed each time too, which because it could have also changed other people's lives too with accidents and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I, I hate talking, I hate talking about this stuff so freaking much. I, I just enjoy my favorite what if episodes so far. Not all stories need to be happy, it's life. Um, not everything's picturesque. They held strong on the watcher which they needed to because if the second the watcher crumbles i think the integrity of the watcher's whole mythos crumbles um so they're keeping strong so far i'm not sure they'll keep strong throughout the whole entire series um but good on that's kind of a spoiler isn't it but i'm not thinking about it it's only a spoiler if you say it might be a spoiler oh well it's a spoiler i'm sorry no it's the watcher you know the watcher's not gonna do anything he says he can't. He can't. Um, which ultimately leads him to being decapitated or something. Then he was he decapitated or his eyes were just ripped out. I in the comics just his eyes got ripped out, yeah. Rip. Um, I will say, and Rian, I'm I'm not sure if it's where you're at or not. I'll just it's not too much surprise. You're gonna see some creatures from like other dimensions as this thing goes on. Okay. And I don't think I was just really fascinated. Like how much are they, the monsters that came out of the gate in Shang-Chi felt appropriate in universe after the stuff that we saw in what Mm -hmm. if on Wednesday. And I'm like, is that on purpose or not? Like, that's fascinating to me. Like I'm guessing it's just dumb luck, but I think that interdimensional monsters between the Peggy Carter episode and this episode, and then what we've seen in Shang-Chi, like I think that all of that stuff overlaps pretty nicely. And that could just be crazy coincidence, but I love that the universe resonates off each other that way, you know? For sure. They introduced uh, a new character, even though they said they want to introduce new characters. So they gave us Kigliostro. Um, which is probably a total non-factor. But they said they weren't going to introduce any new characters in What If. And they lied. Yeah, well, the fact that they're introducing Uatu, they were lying from the get-go. <laughs> right. Well, besides, yeah. Good yeah. Point. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. As I said last week, I love, for whatever reason, this rebrand of what if as the show where they do stuff that Marvel Studios would never let them, or Disney would never let them do. This week continued that trend and I love it. So, well, and Adam got the answer to my question that I asked him to get an answer to. Has that, is that public yet, Adam? For what? For what likenesses? if? About likenesses. Oh yeah, that is that's out there. Yeah, I forgot yeah. to link you to it. I'll send you the link right now. Yeah, that is out. Um, yeah, it just comes down to legalese. Yeah. So some, I mean, so I'm not crazy, or it's not like an art. Like artists are crappy at drawing. Some people, some of the characters look just like the artists, and some of them have legal reasons that they can't. I will uh, give me five seconds, and I'll bring up the exact quote with, "What if production designer Paul." Oh, Paul, 
I like having Adam as my personal reporter. Like, Adam, go get the answer to this for me. And oh. then he does. Yeah. But then, you know, I don't know, at some point he needs to start, you know, throwing you some gift cards or something for like helping him do his job, I would think. But well, yes, he's trying. Rihanna does my job. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will give you the next Taco Bell $5 gift card I get. <laughs> That's okay. I'm That's a lot of indigestion, in Rihanna. And for I don't ju- you know, do that- it for the Taco <laughs> Bell. Um, so production designer Paul Lazane. Um, I can only tell you that stuff is on purpose, or I can tell you the truth and tell you that usually those things are legal issues. There are characters who we are allowed to take their likenesses because it's not just a character's likeness, it's an actor, it's a human being's likeness, and there are legalities. I don't even know how far up that chain goes, but there are definitely some characters we were told, nah, you can't have their likeness. You got to back off a little bit. Some we were told you need to make them more look like their live action counterpart. See, I just think that's, I mean, I think that's fascinating. And to me, that is like one of the weirdest things about the series is that like, as you're going along, some of them look just like those actors and some of them just don't. So I'm glad there's a reason behind it. Thank you for, thank you for giving me the answer, Adam. You're very welcome. I'll come up with more questions for this week. I'm not talking to anyone this week so far. (sighs) Also, I guess it's a surprise to no one that Benedict Cumberbatch is great at voice acting. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if you can hear this, but my neighbor is apparently vacuuming every part of his car. So I'm sure that that's getting on the recording. That's fine. <laughs> I can't hear, it. I don't hear well, it. Well, I can hear it. Earlier they were cutting down a redwood out there, I guess. I just lots of background <laughs> noise. It's like fallish in Rhode Island right now. Like I was about to say nice... the temperature drop today is the day to go do things. Yep. Mm-hmm. I've already gone on a walk went to the farmer's market took a nap <laughs> yeah well i'm gonna do nothing but stay inside all weekend because of a delivery that came to my door today but you know that's uh, that's all right i'll open the windows and enjoy some breeze as i play video games well enjoy all right guys is that good got anything else all right we didn't get to the mailbag today because i don't want to edit a three-hour podcast but we appreciate you guys keeping in. We will next week will be more normal. We'll just talk about what if a little bit more in the news and all that stuff. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting us on Patreon. Have a nice Labor Day. We'll talk to you guys later.